0: This episode of This Podcast is Making Me Thirsty is brought to you by Schnitzer's Bakery. We have cinnamon babka and chocolate babka. Welcome to This Podcast is Making Me Thirsty, the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. Thank you for listening. Please rate and review on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at This Thirsty. Follow us on Instagram at ThisThirsty. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. This podcast is making me thirsty. Join our Patreon, patreon.com backslash Seinfeld Podcast. Bonus episodes up there. Our first 16 episodes are up there. All kinds of good stuff. Join now, folks. Go to our website, SeinfeldPodcast.com. Our rankings are there. All of our episodes are there. Lots of good stuff. Email us at this podcast is making me thirsty at gmail.com. If you dig it, please pass it on. Thank you for listening. Please enjoy. This podcast is making me thirsty. Welcome to this podcast is making me thirsty, the number one destination for Seinfeld fans. This is episode number 145. Today's guest is a CNN analyst and was a reporter for the New York Times for over 25 years. He was the executive producer of the documentary series, Story of Late Night and History of the Sitcom. He's the author of four books, including The Late Shift. And, of course, he broke the story of Seinfeld ending their nine-year run in a New York Times article on the day after Christmas in 1997. Please welcome Bill Carter. Bill, thanks for joining.
1: Glad to be with you guys. Glad to be with you guys.
2: Nobody knows television like Bill Carter, that's for sure. So take us back to that uh, Christmas time in 1997 when Seinfeld says it's all over and it's no joke for NBC, right? Most Tell people. us about that, that phone call. Jerry called you. Well, it's, uh, yeah, and you had there was a lot him.
1: of build-up to it. There was a lot of build-up to it because I'd gotten to know Jerry uh, a bit, and um, and I'd been to the set, and, and I'd, I'd interviewed him on the set and the cast and all that stuff. So we had a bit of a relationship, professional relationship, and, um, and he kind of trusted me, and we've remained friendly since then as well. But um, – his publicist at the time uh, tells me maybe uh, a week before Christmas, 10 days before Christmas, that Jerry is strongly thinking of ending the show, and if he does, he's going to give it to me exclusively, right? So big deal, right? And uh, but I gotta, I gotta sit on it because I can't call NBC because I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to tip this and everything. So i got to sit on it, and I'm I, I'm now monitoring it day to day. Is the today going to be the day? Is the next day going to be the day? And Christmas is looming <laughs> ten, right. 10 days away. And there's a family thing I have to drive to, to Virginia <laughs> on Christmas, to be there. So I'm very interested in getting this done before Christmas. But Jerry has... You know he's being besieged. Uh, NBC is throwing a massive deal in front of him five million dollars an episode, um, and he also is aware of the fact that the entire cast and crew have to be informed. He wants to get it done by this time because then the rest of the season plays out. They go to a finale, etc. Everybody can plan their net whatever the next job is. He's trying to think of all those things. But he's he's torn. I think he wasn't sure that that he was going to make this call. and It was, to me, of course, at this point, I love the show. I really don't want the show to end. (laughs) On the other hand, boy, this is a good story. Right. So I'm I'm, I'm torn. But anyway, so I don't hear from him on Christmas Eve. And I hear, you know, it's just, uh, it's uncertain he can't make the call. And I'm like, tomorrow I got to drive. Like, Seven, six hours. (laughs) Um, So I'm like, you know, can he now put it off at least one more day? You know, because. So I drive to to Virginia to my um, sister-in-law's house uh, with my wife and kids. And uh, we're having a Christmas thing there. And, you know, basically, (laughs) as soon as I get there, (laughs) I get word from his publicist. He's going to call you today. It's happening. So I'm, like, partly excited, okay, because I now am going to have this huge story, but also, like, I'm going to be the, <laughs> the, you know, the the uh, foul person in the ointment here at Christmas because right. I'm going to have to say I have to bow out of everything and go interview Jerry and then write a story. And I have done what we call B-Matter, which is the backstory of how long the show, how it started, and all that. I, so I have. To, Material prepared, but I'm going to talk to Jerry I'll get the close from Jerry and everything, so that's what happens. He basically calls me and uh and we we have the conversation and he talks about why he made the decision and how he felt like it was time and uh he didn't want to overstay the welcome of the show and all of that and wanted to have time to prepare the finale and and all that so it's a great story and fantastic and i I informed the times I guess I informed them before I spoke to him, yeah, I'm going to have this story now it's it's a skeleton crew at the time. Right. <laughs> in Christmas Day. So, but that works out in my favor, too, because now it's on page one for sure. I mean, like <laughs> this, is, this is the news of the day. And the kind of the worst part of it, besides my wife being pissed off at me, was uh, was that I kind of screwed up Christmas for a whole lot of other people covering TV. Because my story hits. And now everybody covering tv has to follow this (laughs) yeah right you know and it's christmas night and they're like oh my god and they got to reach somebody and they have to call nbc people that they know the nbc people are at their dinners (laughs) so it was that kind of uh unfortunate timing for for a lot of reasons but a very big story for me and of course i was quite excited to have it and uh uh, I did get the Publishers Award that month for, you know, having the biggest scoop of the month. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean that's incredible. And and so you know what's interesting to me a couple of things there is is his his um, trust in you is obviously you know evident from from like you said the relationship you had built, um, but then like you know, it's ultimately his decision, I'm assuming, right? Like, totally. um, I know in the article, you know, he mentions that he talked to production and he talked to maybe even the cast, but um, yeah. how much did he tell you about sort of, um, aside from NBC throwing money at him, right, which was probably the, the main thing they thought would keep him, how much of it was any input from, I mean, was was even Larry David involved or did any of the other... Well- you know, anyone else kind of pushed back, or were they all kind of in agreement like what what did you gauge from the conversation with? Well,
1: me? as you guys know, Larry had withdrawn you'd
0: already left, right, but well,
1: I'm they, wondering they work on the show how much but he was still he was still executive producer and cashing checks right <laughs> right right, et cetera but so of course, he had to confer with him but but Larry had already signaled his own sense that it was right. time. Move on, so he wasn't going to object. There was no reason for him to say you should keep going. Uh, And I think you know there was there had been you know the issue with the other cast members. uh, There had been that issue with them not sharing in the profits of the show. Uh, You guys, I don't know if you've covered this. Yeah, in
0: syndication, right? Yeah,
1: right. Uh, And that was a very big factor because you know Jerry's uh, manager. Uh, George Shapiro was was listed as an executive producer on the show, which was frequently done in those days. That your manager or whatever got an EP credit, and of course George, who's a wonderful man. So for me, yeah, you know, I didn't think much of uh, th- that being an issue. But if you're if you want if you're you know uh, Julia or or Michael or, or or Jason, you're like, well, we've never seen George getting involved in the show. <laughs> he he wasn't intimate about the show and they were so important in the show and very often later on like the Friends cast got pieces of the show you know later in their runs so there was friction for a while uh, about that and, and and they had fixed it and this is I'm going totally on memory they had compromised by whenever that happened after the sixth year or whatever they raised their salary and they were making like $600,000 an episode which is a massive amount of money if you're doing 24 episodes i'm not good in math but that's a lot of money um so but they still didn't get a piece of the show i don't think ever which i still think is not good because that show has made almost a billion dollars for
2: for larry and what what is but historically and i'm just we'll use the show before it that was a big success cheers did uh, Sam Malone. T- did those guys get EP credits either, uh, or are they actors I, were actors? Tom,
1: I don't think they did. I mean, in those days, it, it was there was a period of time where you where the you, you didn't let the inmates have a piece of the assignment. Right. <laughs> like, that was not that was not considered important. But later, when when you you had these shows where they had to keep it going, I, I remember it was very interesting that you bring up Cheers because in Cheers's case, Cheers was on for eleven years. Okay. And was still the number one or number two show. Well, Cosby, come on. So it, was a number, it wasn't number one anymore. But it was in the top three shows. It was a massive hit. And NBC was having a disaster. And they desperately wanted to keep it going. And they signed up all the rest of the cast to keep the show going. And they didn't have Ted. Didn't have Ted dance and sign. And Ted had all the leverage at that point. So I think they could have pitched him. That at that point they uh, they made him at the I think it was four hundred thousand an episode he was getting, and and they made him a very big offer, but he held out and then finally he ran off with Whoopi Goldberg and <laughs> and this show fell apart <laughs> and, and they and that was the end of Cheers. But uh, <laughs> but um, I do think that was an issue with with the uh, with the other members of the cast. So Jerry had to deal with them. He had to you know he had to obviously do something. And I don't know exactly. How uh, they finessed all that. But that, he implied to me that was a reason for the, the delay, was that he was tying up a whole lot of loose ends before he could really announce it finally.
2: Yeah, I mean, they clearly missed out on that big money. And I, and I think they threw, Jerry and Larry threw them like uh, the DVD money. No one's buying DVDs anymore. That's right. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless.
1: However, so, I want to point out one interesting other story, if you let me Yeah, yeah. So so, I, I was also friendly with Ju- Julia, and uh, subsequently, uh, w- when she was on one of her other shows, um, she came, and we had this uh, event at the time called Times Talks, which we had in our little uh, theater place, and and I would often be the host for those, and, and so she was coming in, and I was going to do this stage event with her, and, and she's wonderful, funny, and tremendous, you know. And uh, so it was a huge event, and she comes in this little green room, and everything, and she brings her father, right? And I don't know if you know who her father was. Hedge, you know, uh, mutual oh, fund, yeah. Dreyfus fund, yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> a gargantuanly wealthy man. Okay, so. People would say, when people would say, who's the wealthiest person in television? I'd say, well, it's probably Julia, (laughs) but not because, but when I interviewed, I I was, I finished the interview and afterwards, she introduced me to her dad and, uh, and, and, uh, and i got, I've talked to him a little bit and I said, well, you must be very proud of your daughter. And he said, oh, I am. And one of the reasons is of all my children, she's the one who doesn't need me. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Anyway, so uh, so I, I I didn't think Ju- Julia particularly hurt was hurting for that money, but Jason and Michael, I think they they should have benefited more. But I think they did fix it later because the guy they're very close. There's not there's no enmity there at all.
0: Yeah, that's, that's noticeable. We think. Yeah, that's, that's pretty, that they, yeah. they seem to still, you know, I think, you know, that everyone got enough of the pie, right? Um, but, but you mentioned earlier, you know, when I mentioned Larry David, how obviously we know he left in season seven, right? After season seven, we always right. kind of break the show up in, in three, in three sort of parts, right? After season five, Larry Charles and Tom Sharonis leave and a lot of the tone of the show kind of leaves with them. And then Larry David uh, leaves in season seven, which really, you know, a total, change happens there, 8 and 9. In fact, I think Personally, I think we both think that season eight is probably the worst season of the entire series. I think they get a they 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 almost get a little better in season nine, even though it's still not strong in our opinion. Yeah. It's just a different show. Um, but I'm curious. It's
1: still very funny. Listen, yeah, it's a, a different kind of, of, of funny. Yeah, yeah. Compared to the rest of television, right.
0: it's a sliding yeah, scale. Yeah, I, I agree. It's a sliding scale. You know, as far as Seinfeld's concerned, it's it's kind of a different show and it's a different kind of funny maybe. But it's interesting because um, you know. I w- I wonder how much you know if you've gotten to know Jerry in the past did he did he ever express that like you know that he I know he never says it on camera right we we went out on top we went out with the ratings But he had to have felt, you know, it was a dip either in quality or at least a difference in quality. Or there was like, we've heard stories, not really stories, but, you know, there was different factions of writing teams and things like this, right? It wasn't just him and Larry. So there was a lot of probably people pulling him left and right, trying to get stuff on the air, you know, trying to change the tone of the show. I'm wondering how much that finally impacted him to just be like, you know, let me get the hell out of here. I got a bunch of money. The show is on top. You know, I, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Like he, he, he almost, he got to the point where he made it better in nine, but maybe he felt like, you know, ten's going to be a disaster. So let me get the heck out of here. Like uh, maybe just your opinion, or if you heard anything from Jerry around well,
1: that. I don't know if you, if you know Jerry at all, but, uh, <laughs> there's no way Jerry would concede that the show under him was lesser ever. Right. He, he wouldn't, he wouldn't concede that he, worked like a dog on the show. He believed he wouldn't let anything on that show that wasn't high quality. He really devoted himself to that. So I don't think he would be in a position to concede that the show was lesser after Larry left. I mean he felt he was the he was the guy running the show and it still was great. And uh so I I don't think he would ever express that. He may have felt like it's too much on me now to make it great. And and as you point out, many of their other top guys had gone. I don't know if Melman was still around, but it, a lot of their top guys had gone, and and so there was more on him. I mean, you know, he was working on every line in the show. You know, there was just no doubt about it. Um, and he's a perfectionist. Jerry is. I mean, he'll work. He'll work days on one joke. You know, for his act. So.
2: Yeah, I mean that's what we heard, and that's what we heard about the show is that it was so kind of uh, like a homemade show. It wasn't kind of these big production. And,
1: yeah. you know, they had all those weird rules about, you know, you'd get hired if you knew Superman and stuff like that, you know. <laughs> and uh, and you had to, I, I don't know if this was true, but supposedly early on you, you wouldn't be hired unless you knew the theme song for the Abbott and Costello syndicated show. You know about that? Yeah.
2: Uh, we, we've we heard that, yeah, we know that played a a, a big role, <laughs> yeah. it kind of modeled the show.
1: You know, after
2: so. And,
1: you know, because they had grown up in New York, and I had grown up in New York, I remember, the, the Abbot Costello show was on Channel 11 in New York, it reruns all the time. So, I mean, I've seen the show as much as any kid could possibly see a show like them, so I related to that totally. You know, I could have I could do the theme song in my sleep, (laughs) but but I thought it was just that's how the you know insulated it was. You know they were like you got to be that one of those kind of guys. You know so
2: yeah, and it wasn't very homemade. homemade, Not your traditional sitcom. Yeah, we've we spoke to so many guest stars, editors, you name it. So many interviews lasted ten minutes for silly stuff like that. Like you like you, we like you. Boom, come in. So we took. We talked a lot about the end, but let's let's just go back a little bit to the beginning. So, sure. you were a media writer covering TV for the yes. New York Times, I believe, starting 1989, the year Seinfeld launched um, on NBC. When's the first time you met Jerry Seinfeld? That actually went on the set. Was it oh, season I or two? I didn't go on the
1: set early at all. I mean, the show you guys probably know was like. You know marginally on the air for like two years, I mean they I don't know they did three of them at first or four of them at first, four yeah. and uh and even the next year they only did six of them I mean they were barely staying on the air and the story that I heard was that Brandon Tartikoff was running n b c at the time, and they were also in the whole time frame of what are we gonna do when Jeremy Johnny Carson leaves was in their heads, right? And Tartikoff was constantly thinking of this. What am I going to do? And he saw Jerry as a potential late-night guy if he had to move Letterman or whatever. So he wanted to sign Jerry to, to, to be sort of a backup, potential late-night sort of figure, but Jerry wanted to do a sitcom, and that wasn't particularly what they were <laughs> all that interested in. But you probably know that that's why the show wound up with Rick Ludwin yeah. as the executive, because he was in charge of late night. And and because that had started that way, he always was the executive overseeing Seinfeld. And they had put it on the air in this kind of like, mm, I mean, such a weird show, you know, Ooh, tested horribly, you know, cr- characters no one can relate to and all they were, it didn't fit the mold of what you'd put on a TV show in those days. You know, it has to be, everybody has to be likable and all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, Which, and, and you have to learn lessons with your, all that junk that was on TV that they hated. They hated that and they wouldn't do that. And so, you know, those early episodes are so quirky, you know, where you're like, if you didn't know the show when you started, you, you'd be like, what? is this about, and it wasn't about anything, you
2: know, it was about weird relationships. Yeah. Sure. But as you, yeah. And then as you're rewatching and analyze it, I mean, a lot of seeds were implanted for sure. So, no I guess, yeah. you know, I'm, I am was scrolling through your history on the times and I see obviously uh, a great headline here is Cliff and Norm drink up in walk Seinfeld. That was 93 when finally they made the move to, to, um, Thursday night at 9.30. Was that, I guess, was that the, was that your intro, I guess, to, um, to the show and, and, and Jerry and the rest of the cast? I'd love to oh. just see how you built that relationship. Okay,
1: well, that's interesting because I started to watch the show on and off in those early days, right? And I'm, it's interesting, I was t- talking to my wife about this today. The 20th episode of the show is um the uh the pen episode okay where where the, uh, jerry and elaine go to to florida to visit his parents right
2: no george or kramer yeah yeah and,
1: and we <laughs> i think george's might be in it but kramer's not in it right i think uh, neither, neither of them, yeah. there are two episodes that kramer's not in but I, anyway anyway so we we did watch that show because it resonated so much with us because we had gone to visit my parents in Florida that year and they wouldn't turn the air conditioning on <laughs> 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 that, that, when, they, when that fly came up like, well of course they didn't even know how to turn the air conditioning <laughs> on <laughs> like, we would say where's the air conditioning we don't know We, we don't, there, they would not turn it because they grew up the only, the only air conditioning you had was in a movie theater you didn't have an air conditioning in your house, you didn't have it in your car no air conditioning so, but it was sweltering. In there. So, so when we saw that episode, it was like, well, this is so true to life. And she then gets the backache and all, sleep on the couch. It just really resonated. So that kind of made the show start to click for me. So that was like, I guess that season three, really, at that point. Is it two? Yeah, maybe three. No, three.
0: Right, no, three. The
1: first two seasons were so short. Yep. So anyway, so I start to watch the show. And it's on Tuesday nights against home improvement. Right? And Home Groom. Right? Wednesday night. Excuse me, Wednesday night. And Home Groom is the number one show, right? And it's kicking their ass. <laughs> it's and they they're they're getting some traction, but they're not a hit show. They're just not a hit show. And they go into their fourth season, which is unbelievably great, right? right. It just an unbelievably great season of television and, and i can remember getting a call from someone at one of my people one of my friends at nbc and they say to me whatever you do do not miss seinfeld this week and it was the contest episode right and i told some of my friends at the time and th- and they were like this is unreal <laughs> this show is so unreal so now we we have the situation where the show is great. It's not great, <clears throat> and NBC knows it's great. They also know it's a fabulous match with Cheers. Sophisticated, smart, New York smartness, urban comedy—all the stuff they love. But they can't move it. <laughs> they want to put it at nine thirty, right? But Cheers is owned by Paramount, and when they keep renewing Cheers down the road after six, episodes, six year or whatever. They keep having to renew it because they hit. Paramount insists that they get the 9.30 time period for Wings, their other show. And here they are, and they're desperate to get that off the air. So they can, and Wings wasn't doing terribly, but they wanted, they thought, if we can expose Seinfeld to the Cheers massive audience, we can make a huge hit out of Seinfeld. So, They're in this incredible dilemma because as long as Cheers stays on, they have to keep Wings on. And so, as I told you, they're in this dilemma with with Ted Danson that year, and and then he in the in the same period of time, so December that year, he says he's not going to sign. Cheers is going to go off. They have you know January, February, March, whatever, however many episodes of Cheers are left that season, and they say. that's it that's it for wings screw it we're moving seinfeld right after now we're going to do it right now we're going to get on (laughs) there was some number of episodes left before they could do that and preston beckman who's the scheduler for nbc and and a great friend of mine he said he had had an old wooden desk he was the scheduler as i said and he however many episodes there were left he had a knife and he was carving in the desk Little slots How many episodes left before he could move Seinfeld there? Because he knew, just give me, give me that that lead in, and they had you know whatever six episodes, eight episodes of the season, and they slotted Seinfeld in, and bang, it went off like a rocket. Yeah. And now they had a nine o'clock show for for
2: the next season. Yeah, we we spoke with Press in front of the show. Great guy. I mean, great guy. He would he would put up Seinfeld on the board every year. Every year, they would take it down. because of of the paramount connection
0: crazy exactly you know i think about this all the time and it's you just let me into it perfectly because i I think about this a lot i wanted to ask you this question is it the chicken or the egg right so you just you just hit on it everyone was talking about something we were wednesday watchers so we're talking we're telling people you got to watch the show right but we're what we 12 years old whatever we are no one's so then season four the contest huge. Like if you saw the contest live on TV, you were talking about it the next day, right? So everyone was talking about it, but it, so many people missed it, right? And yeah. to your point, it was like we got to get the show in front of people, and then it gets in front of people. Season five is probably the best season of the, of the series. It could be debated, but we think so probably. I think right, better, but yeah, okay. four or four, five, right? Yeah. I, I we think three. We could go back and forth to three, even, but but that's where we're at, right? But yeah. to our point earlier. Right, seasons eight and nine has the numbers. Right, double the amount of people were watching. Right now, yeah. were they watching because the show was good, or were they watching because of all the people talking about it years ago? Milo, you got to watch the Seinfeld show. They finally caught up, and now they're all watching. Right, well, this so is it's the like, thing. Of
1: course, because you can, the other yeah. thing Preston will say to you, and uh, he may have sent to you, is they then had this four years of Seinfeld episodes that had been only marginally watched.
0: Right, no one saw right. it until syndication. So
1: when they started repeating them in the summer people are like, wow, I haven't seen this one. I haven't seen this right, one. And right, it was like yeah, just it just built and built yeah. and built. Yeah. That was that was another huge advantage they had, that they yeah. store big, big shows that they could play. Yeah, But I, yeah. I guess I'm also getting to the point where I don't feel as down on the late episodes as other people do because, first of all, I think some of them were quite good. They, they, they weren't consistently good, as good. That's but fair. also because the show stood out in so many ways and the uniqueness of the show, you couldn't make it the same, keep going the same way. I don't think the plots they came up with were so amazing. I mean, really amazing original stuff. Uh, and what, what season is Festivus,
0: for example? Uh, eight, I believe, right?
1: That's in season eight. You think it's the worst ever. Everybody in America knows <laughs> every single person. <laughs> we
2: well, so, yeah. you know, you know the, the funny timing of the Festivus is. That was the last episode before your article came
0: out. Oh yeah, it was actually season nine. Yeah, it was season nine I was right. right Sorry, season, yeah. yeah. oh, yeah. yeah, season nine, yeah. Yeah. Well I yeah. did say nine was a little better than they. But to your it point, was. so all of the things you just said, I, I actually agree with. I mean, there are some there are some that hit there, you know, but but you mentioned in your article you your you know, the one the the one day after Christmas article, um you called it um uh, you call it Seinfeld, the cultural signpost uh, yeah. in a class with I love Lucy and the honeymoon which you mentioned before. I love that term a cultural signpost. Cause um, I-, I think that's what it is too. And, and I want to ask you this, like um, you know, I remember watching, I love Lucy as a kid, uh, you know, this is probably 30 years after it was on the air, right? Something like this. And it seemed like right. another world to me, right? This this doesn't look anything like I see now. The shows in black right. and white, the way they're living, there's nothing like me, right? 30 years now, people are watching Seinfeld. They might have a, a, a little bit of that, right? No cell phones, no internet, but but it's yeah. still there they can still relate to it in in more of a way, right? Yeah. So I, I guess my question is. You know, Seinfeld's gonna have a more of a shelf life, I think. Right uh, on that on that cultural signpost. Well, angle. hold on a like, second. Yeah. Nothing has more of a shelf life than that. Well, because it's still going, but relatability it's close, like wise, seventy years old, right? But 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 you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, I how much can you still hang on to the the believability and relatability of of Lucy compared to a Seinfeld that's going to keep going? You know, well, down Lucy, the line. Uh,
1: yes, Lucy was was brilliant, but cartoonish in a lot of ways. Right. Right. Yeah.
0: For sure. It's for sure. Yeah.
1: Very, you know she was a kind of real housewife, but not really. She wanted to be in show business, all that stuff. Right. And I think that one of the things people don't really understand unless they've been New York, I guess those are New York characters. They're not really that hard for me to accept. You know what I mean? Like when Larry did this finale, yeah, and he yeah. said, Oh, they're, they're the world's most selfish characters. I, I thought, no, they're not. They're just New Yorkers. Right. I, I right, couldn't right. Even think of it in that, in that way. I, So I related to them on that whole quirky scale, you know. But but I mean this—just the the imagination that it takes to come up with multiple three, four stories in every episode that were unique and usually individually funny, and usually then Larry, especially, would weave them together at the end brilliantly. I want to make one point though. You said something interesting, and I may have said this in the article, but I love Lucy, the honeymooners. And all in the family and Seinfeld share a huge number of characteristics. There are four characters in New York in an apartment setting. That's the same show. Yeah,
0: in wow. And four and different
1: so in, because yeah. that's what you need. You don't need a lot of other stuff. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> and that spans, how many decades does that span? That's 50s. It's, so it's Everything, right? 50s, 60s, yeah. 70s, 80s, 90s, all the way through and uh you get to see that yeah that's really interesting
2: the jeffersons didn't make the cut there so no. speaking, of, <laughs> speaking of uh you're a tv historian you know rolling stone comes out with these lists best yep. shows blah, blah blah right yada 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 right where do you i mean where do you rank where do you rank seinfeld quite frankly i know you mentioned some big ones right there but i mean we could just take sitcoms if you want versus shows in general but where do you rank where do you rank jerry's uh Nine think It's
1: it's the funniest sitcom of all time. It's the funniest. Is it the best? I think people might challenge it with All in the Family because of its breakthrough social aspect. But Seinfeld's the funniest sitcom I've ever seen, and 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 I love Cheers, and Cheers is very close for me. I love that show, absolutely love that show, and I feel very close to that show. But. I mean, if for pound for pound comedy, I just I just found it. And let, I'm just, I'm preparing to talk to you guys. I thought I should look up some of the shows I liked or whatever. <laughs> and, and I went back. and just was reading the plot descriptions and laughing. I'm just reading the plot. And I'm laughing.
0: <laughs> what, what do you got? What, 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 yeah, what, what are some, some of those?
2: Favorites? Excuse me. What are some of your favorites? well um the pen, obviously.
1: i know you you talk to the guys from uh from the who wrote the Junior Mint. I love the Junior Mint, yes, I love that show. I think it's beautifully <laughs> we woven together um I'm not going to say them in any order, but um the implant to me <laughs> is i just i you know i interviewed Terry Hatcher later, and she just was. Actually, quite hilarious on, on that topic. I have different reasons for liking different shows. For example, like I mentioned, the pen. The reason I like the pen, yeah. uh, I I, I, I like the uh, the um, the yada yada because I I kind of became friendly with Cranston, and and then that, that was the whole anti anti stuff. Yeah,
2: that was Melman's favorite part of it. Yeah, yeah. The
1: pitch, the pitch was so interesting to me because when they made a movie of my book band who had played the NBC executive, wound up playing Warren. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he plays, and yeah, he plays that, Littlefield in that. Yep. In that, so I had, I had a connection to that. Um, I, I was uh, this. The this, this show doesn't really, perhaps, rank high, but in the show called the uh, the Van Buren Brothers, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. that's the show where where Peterman uh, buys Kramer's life. Yep. Yeah yeah okay. Peterman's
0: great in that episode,
1: okay, so that that has a very strange connection to me. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but so when I was doing my book about late night with Letterman and Leno, I interviewed Letterman at massive length, and uh he's trying to explain Leno to me right and he's and he tells me this story about Leno, and it, the story is that they're all comics together at the comedy store there and Jay is by far the most successful at this point. He's got his own house. He's doing great. And, and, uh, and Dave is very friendly, uh, with this guy, uh, uh, Jeff, uh, pink lady and Jeff. (laughs) Uh, anyway, I forget his last name. It was a comic, right? And, uh, and, They're all sitting around Jay's house late at night after being at the comedy store. It's 3 a.m. They're all sitting around and they say, let's talk about the first time anybody got a TV shot. And, you know, David been on Letterman or whatever. And, and Jeff, uh, he starts talking about his first shot was on the Mike Douglas show. Okay. And Mike Douglas is also a very funny Seinfeld connection, obviously because of the furniture from Mike Douglas, show. But anyway, (laughs) And he's telling the story about he's he, the first time he's on the Mike Douglas show. He's a kid. He's young. He's, he, 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 he's so nervous. And the show's shot in Philadelphia. That, that's, it was based in Philadelphia. He has to go to Philadelphia. And he, he's backstage. and He's so wound up. He's getting so nervous. His mother's going to watch the show. His friends are going to watch the show, etc. And he's trying to calm himself down. And the, he's, the, the floor manager comes out and says, okay, he'll do five minutes. And then you'll go over and you sit with Mike. And he's like, oh, I'm going to sit with Mike. Well, great. You know, that's great. That's terrific. Uh, And now he's even more nervous. And he's just in backstage. He's just thinking to himself, geez, I just got to get a good I just got to get a good laugh or whatever. And the guy says, okay, tell us what your last joke is. So when your last joke comes up, we'll play the music and then you walk over. And he's like, oh, my act is kind of different because I have to feel how it's going. I don't always have the same last joke. If it's not going right, I'm going to switch. And. And they're like, oh, and he says, well, when I finish, I'll just say thank you very much. So you know, And they say, okay, that's fine. Just do that. we we'll play the music. So now he's wound up and he's thinking, please, or somebody can laugh, whatever. They introduce him. Here he is, comes out. His first joke, big laugh. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> 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 okay, so he so he so he's telling this story at this big party, right? That not big party, but big gathering of comics. that Jay Letterman yeah. house So at the end of the day, at the end of the event, Jeff or or Letterman, somebody doesn't have a car, and they're driving the other guy back to their apartment. Their crappy apartments, Jay's from Jay's life's house. And as they're leaving, Jay goes up to Jeff and he says, "Hey, that story, you know, that story about your, uh, you know, time you you came out. That's a great story." he Says, "Yeah, yeah, that was great." And Jay says, uh, "So what uh, can I buy that from you?" <laughs>
0: Oh man. And, That's, uh, and, yeah.
1: right? And and he's like, No, Jay, it's not a joke I wrote. It Like, my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah but i do say why say it, it happened to me. So Letterman tells me that story to tell me the kind of guy Jay is, that Jay is about material. He doesn't life is not that important. To him. Everything's material, right? Huh. And anyway, I didn't put it in the book because I had a very sort of similar story about Jay, but I knew the story, okay? Okay, so now I'm watching this episode, yeah. right? And it turns out that Jay has written an autobiography, right? Which he, he's just telling stories about it. And then he says, oh, my first time I was on a dinosaur Shore show, blah, blah, One joke, da da, da da And I'm like, what the hell? So I called up <laughs> guys and they say, "You, so you heard the story yet? I said, well, you know, Jeff's falling on a hard time. He sold to Jay for 10 grand. <laughs> so then I'm like, this has to be where they got this idea. Yeah. So, wow. Well,
0: anyway. uh, that's incredible. I mean, just I, I, that's, that sums up Leno right there, man. I mean, that's, that's a crazy one. I mean, well, you I kind, I of that, that kind of hear that kind of stuff. On my list for that reason excuse yeah. me no I'm saying you kind of hear those kind of things about Leno but you don't know you're not in the you know how he is exactly well the thing but is he, that Jake,
1: Jake could be a wonderful guy actually you know, right right. but it's just the era, but he's he's always in the comic right. That that's right. what he is and you know Dave had, had an interesting relationship they were very friendly and then they were ferociously competitive so you
2: know yeah, And they, they were both they both were on uh, on Seinfeld so there you go, both Leno and Letterman. And
1: Seinfeld was very friendly with both, of them, extremely friendly. with Jay more more yeah. so than Dave, but like most comics, he was in awe of Dave.
2: Right, and you you sound like a Letterman guy.
1: Well, I I, I try not to be overt about it, but I mean, I like more creative stuff, so I, I yeah, I that's his style. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. If you're buying that's, stuff, you're not really being creative. Gosh, that's
2: bit- it was.
0: And Bill, you mentioned it earlier
2: about Jerry and late night. So uh, prior to him getting the 1989 pilot. So was that the years with um, like Joan Rivers? Like they were, was, was the thought to try him out as kind of a. Well, Joan, ste- River,
1: well, Joan Rivers was then the permanent guest host for Johnny. So she right. did Monday nights. When she quit and Johnny cut her off, Jay got that job. Jay right. got the, the regular Monday night thing. So, so it wasn't, a, it wasn't, he wasn't thinking of replacing cars. He was thinking of the, of the issue that he would have, which developed actually, <laughs> because right. if he didn't give it to Letterman, if he gave it to Letterman, he'd have a at 1230. So, and then he, it was like trying to create a farm team because Jerry was younger than those guys.
2: Right. And I'm curious, okay. wh- why did that disappear? That farm system, like the, the special guest host? We I mean, we, we haven't seen that in 40 it, years.
1: Exactly, and and the reason is, none of the guys who succeeded Carson had the confidence of Carson that nobody's as good as I am.
0: Right, you, you
1: you put anybody as a guest host, that doesn't bother me. Right. The other guys were like, you know, maybe somebody'll come on and they'll think he's really good. So that I think there was never nobody ever did guest hosts till you know, like Dave had shingles or had his heart attack. You know, right? They had guest hosts then.
2: But yeah, fear, fear, Yeah, Wally Pip, right? You never know who's coming next. Yep. Yeah,
1: that's part of it. Of course, the other thing was that Jay would never, ever stop working. Ever. <laughs> ever. Because he would go after the tonight, tonight Show three times a week, he'd go to Vegas and perform after the show, and come back and do the show the next night. Crazy amount of work. He just, that was his lifestyle.
0: Yeah, hoarded all that material. Um, you know, you mentioned a couple of things. You call, it, you call it Seinfeld the funniest sitcom, which which we obviously agree with. We're, we've devoted 150 episodes to it. But um, I also think it might be one of the most, um, I, I mean, groundbreaking is an overused word, but I think influential too, in a way. Like if you look at where sitcoms went after Seinfeld, like Seinfeld sort of oh. ended that, like the way sitcoms were, the way it shot, all that kind of stuff. and. Oh and they obviously changed it too in, in so many ways. Right. But they, they yeah. let like these, uh, you know, it's always sunny in Philadelphia has come along and the all like everything since them has been like completely different with cable and everything else. So they sort of like, you know, ended an era as well in that, in that cultural signpost way of, of doing things like you mentioned and groundbreaking and things like that. Yeah. So it's interesting to see, you know, like what's come after it. That's, you know, you've seen, you know Seinfeld's footprint on, or you've you've kind of like you know
1: maybe your enthusiasm. Uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: uh,
1: no, but you mentioned it's always sunny. I think that's a good, very good yeah. comparison.
0: Yeah, right. right. Uh, Louis too, maybe when Louis first came out on FX. How, I many, think
1: was, how many characters on there in It's Always Sunny? Four,
0: four. Yeah, yeah. three,
1: three guys and a girl. Yep. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. Um, (laughs) that's right exactly that formula and and to that point with characters i I always look at it like you know some of the the three biggest shows of all time right the simpsons sopranos and seinfeld one of the things they have in common you mentioned things in common i think is the number of characters they have where where it is yes the main four but guest stars and recurring and i mean so many to count and that's really what builds the the world that people come back to, right? Totally. Like even Cheers is a great show. You don't know anyone else besides the main characters, right? There's very few that you're very few. About, right. But where Seinfeld so, the list and, and somebody
1: on, right? turned out to be somebody like I was on, on the set of Seinfeld, the night Kelsey Grammer was introduced, just going to be a four art thing as the girl, uh, the boyfriend. And I was there when, when uh, uh, Lilith came on as well. And they, they just, if somebody clicked, they just kept them. And and, Simon, and Jerry was like that, too. I mean, if the character had resonance, they would say, oh, let's use him again. Let's use that character again. Cla- classically, for me, Lloyd Braun, uh, who's a real guy, right? And, right. And, and I became a really good friend of mine. And when I met him, I was like, Wait, this is a real boy broad. What is this? And he was Larry's, you know, business attorney.
0: Like Lloyd Broad. And they
1: they oh, lost the a bet too. on the golf course. Uh, you no,
0: know that? I, no, yeah, we we've heard that, right? Ohio, what, what is that story? Yeah, well, they they yeah. played
1: golf, they played a round of golf, they played golf all the time together and, and the and the bet they were looking for something to bet and, and Larry said, If I win, I get to make you a character in the show.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, Matt McCoy. We spoke to both Lloyd Bronze, yes. believe it or not, both yeah. oh, the like, real one <laughs> and Matt and Matt McCoy. Yeah, uh, yeah, and he he mentioned that story.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's funny too. Yeah. We talk about things like that history. I noticed in the article you wrote the 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 you know the obvious one we've been talking about with Seinfeld. You called him Mister Seinfeld. The entire article. Now one yes. mention to Jerry that respect your show and just the 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 kind of old school journalism. I, I really uh, New
1: York Times insisted
0: on that. Oh, is that right? That go go was. Out. That came from the top, well, yeah.
1: Yes, and occasionally it would become an issue, like share. Okay,
0: yeah, <laughs> On second yeah.
1: Reference, right, she would have to be Miss Share, right? And particularly, a problem was meatloaf. <laughs> 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 On second <laughs> reference, Mister Mr. <laughs> Mr. loaf.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting how that you know, like th- that that kind of you know old school you know mentality well they still do it but the the landscape has has kind of shifted in that world and it's
1: funny because now when i if i'm writing like i write a piece for the CNN website or something i'll be at the point of putting mister in there i'm like no no it's not i don't need to do that anymore
2: (laughs) well maybe with seinfeld you should um well listen uh, bill this has been a it's been a blast uh, taking a trip down memory land. I'm just curious: did, did Jerry ever apologize for ruining your Christmas in '97, or, or... Not, not?
1: Not in a serious way, <laughs> because uh, I it was clearly great for me. I mean, you know, he did me a huge service. Later on, I he he was at some event. At the museum, of, he was going to do an event at the Museum of Television. And Keith Oldman was supposed to interview him, and Oldman got laryngitis and literally could not talk. And and Jerry's current publicist, who's a friend of mine, Tom Keeney, called me up and said, Jerry wants will you do it? And it was like five o'clock, and I had like half an hour to do it, right? Hi. And I was like, What's it about? And it, it was it was about this guy Gene Shepard, who was a radio guy in New York. Who wrote the really famous Christmas movie about uh, the old man and the, the, the Christmas tree lamp and all? You know that it's on every Christmas. Christ- Christmas yeah, Christmas.
0: So- yeah, yeah. Christmas Church. story. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, anyway, Gene Shepherd and he, Jerry used to listen to him on the radio, and I really <laughs> didn't. <laughs> so I spent like twenty minutes researching Gene Shepherd, ran over to the museum and television, and did the hosting for him. And and he was like, "Oh, this, this is so great!" And I said, "Well, I you know I owe you." you know, like you. Know, you came you came through for me. I have another funny, one other funny story about Jerry. I'm walking down the street in Manhattan, totally <laughs> doing something else. And he it's on the east side. And I'm walking down the street. And I see this guy coming toward me. And he's got a Mets hat on, right? And I'm thinking, that guy that guy actually looks like Jerry Seinfeld with the Mets <laughs> hat, right? And he's coming more. And I'm like, mm, that is Jerry. you know? Like, And I thought, you know what? I'm not going to pretend like I'm his buddy. I'm not going to say, oh, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. But he sees me, and he's oh, Bill, Bill, so, and we're standing on the corner. <laughs> it's Jerry Seinfeld. He's on a corner of that. He's wearing a man's hat, and he's talking to me like this, and he's very animated, <laughs> <devastated>, right? <laughs> and he's telling us whatever story is going on, and and people are going by. Now, if you didn't recognize him when he was just standing there, you'd certainly recognize him when he's talking, right? And not one person stopped him, and I thought this stopped to say, oh. You know, give me your autograph and let's do a selfie. And I was like, this is New York for you. That's why it's great. People were like, you know, in Hollywood, they would line up and do it. It was great. It was like perfect New York stuff. This is Jerry Sutton, for God's sake. Everybody knows who he is, but he... It was never bothered. I thought it was
2: great. We had a Super Bowl here, and nobody cared. Right? I mean, it's uh, New (laughs) York's got so much going on. It's it's you know, get over yourself, kind
1: of the attitude of New York. (laughs) Exactly.
2: Yeah. Well, Bill. uh, I mean, it it shows Jerry's loyalty. It shows your loyalty. I mean, you've had a remarkable, remarkable career. Thank you for thanks a lot. Always updating us on everything going going on in the TV industry. Um, You've been a pleasure.
1: Well, I've enjoyed it, guys. Thanks for having me on.
0: Thank you, Bill. This was great. Talk soon. Thanks okay. so
1: much. I hope that was what you guys wanted. Yeah, great.
0: Oh, that was really great. Uh, thank you so okay. much. We really appreciate your time.
1: Well, I did too. I, I enjoyed it. Thank you, guys. Have a great week, Bill. Okay, you too. Bye bye.